we're back on another edition of the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast. It's Jonathan Howe, it's Travis Cunningham, and this is episode 46. And once again, Travis, I forgot to look ahead to see if we have a number 46. <laughs> uh, I actually had to really think about just before I cracked the mic here, what episode are we actually on? But I got it. I got it figured out. You nailed it. But uh, do you got a guy to go first? Do you want me to go first? I've got two, as always. I know you do, because I'm pretty sure you're thinking of the guy that I'm thinking of. But go Good for it first. Then. No, you go first. No, you say it. I know you're going to no, say No, because so I can't remember their it. name. That's the problem. <laughs> oh. So I have to fight. I'm looking it up. OK, so I'm going to go with 46. This guy is the son of a legendary super modified racer from Oswego and all that. He's been mm-hmm. coming around. Uh, the last couple of years to watch weekend, he ran all three nationals last year, I believe. 46, Canadian boy, Ryan Conium. He also has outlaw starts back in the day. He's driven a super modified himself and an asphalt modified. Quite the shoe, really. Big. Yeah, he's driven almost everything there is. That's fine. 46. Now, is there not another 46 in sprints? That's that's what I'm trying to find right now. Yeah, I know. Right now. I, cause that's what I wanted you to say. Now I'm, now I'm blanking on who it is because now I... He's a listener too, and he's asked to come on the show. And I've just this is making me think of that. I know. Sorry, Kevin Paul. Thank you. I wasn't gonna say it without checking it, but I was like, it's Kevin Paul's, isn't it? (laughs) I don't want to say it and be wrong because I'm like, wait, what if he drives the four? And then I'm like, no, that's Peltier that I'm thinking of. I think. And then another forty-six dear to my heart is he doesn't race anymore. His brother does in the four. Oh yeah, so he's forty-six too. Brandon Mallet. And Warren Mount. That's the nice. number. Okay, so I was going to go Kevin Pauls. I just had to confirm that it was Kevin in my brain that I see in the 46 car. All the fours, for whatever reason, blend together for me. There's too many. Brandon Mount is a and great late model guy numbers. from Brighton. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. And I've heard he's got a great sprint this Ooh. year. I don't know if he told anybody, but top secret. I heard that. Out here breaking news. Maybe we'll see him at Merrittville Test and Tune. Uh, that is this mm. Saturday. Uh, Maryville Speedway I doubt that. cars on the track pit gates open at 12. I think the scaling starts around one o'clock is what I heard. Uh, cars on track for six. I should say pit gates open 12 scales and then pit cars on track six o'clock. See if we get some mock races, by the way, uh, I hear that it's going to be free to fans to come out and watch. If you want to just come and watch practice and, uh, otherwise make sure you get your pit passes and come on over. Uh, those are 20 bucks for yes pretty good deal if you want to see see what goes on in the pits exactly i uh keep your eyes open i don't know what to make of this season yet uh there's some rumors some whispers i have this unconfirmed as of right now so we'll get into it next week on the podcast once it's confirmed but it sounds like uh for some of our regular classes that are going to be a part of the spring sizzler like the hoosier socks the dirt car sportsman four cylinders and modifieds we're going to start counting perfect attendance and points at Maryville on the 22nd. But again, those are just at this point rumors. I have not 100% confirmed that. So uh, just so you know, drivers, make sure you get your cars together for uh, for the opener next week because it could matter uh, at the end of the year for sure. And of course, uh, Southern Ontario Sprints are going to be running for points. Uh, that is you guys, Travis. Uh, how, are you, how are you feeling about the season? We'll probably do like a full tee up of... As Finnegan has to be uh, loud here. Uh, we'll do a full tee up of the spring sizzler and all that next week, but just uh, heading into test and tune. How are you feeling? And uh, how, how important is a test and tune day to you guys, your drivers? Well, 
as I've seen Joe Plazic say before on social media, back in our day, we didn't have testing tunes. We had the three <laughs> hot laps before opening night. And uh, to me, sometimes like it sucks to burn the car up a little bit and not get the payout. But sometimes you can do a lot of testing and stuff like that, too. But uh, like you say, it does burn fuel and put time on your motor. So it's a bit of what like some I don't always do them, but usually when I don't do them, I wish I did. But I'm definitely going this Saturday because it's a brand new car. That's when they're the best when you've got something fresh, when you've got mm-hmm. something known and true. Maybe skip test and tune and just go for the paycheck next week. But definitely going this week because I got a new car. So got to try that. Got to try it. Break it in. Nice. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, we had a very busy week. We're going to have a very busy episode. Our guests this week, Justin Ramsey and Jake Hooker, who we both Caught up both of, we caught up with both of them during our live podcast from Motorama. So we're going to air those interviews this week, and uh, you're going to be able to find them up on the socials and uh, over on the actual listening of the of this podcast wherever you can tune in. Those interviews are going to be there. So uh, video format will be on the socials though. So watch for those to come up. But before we get into that, we should probably re- recap this past weekend. Uh, lots of things to talk about, including the Hard Clay Open, which, surprise, surprise, Super Matt gets the win and scores the big check. Matt Shepard earns his third short track Super Series Hard Clay Open at Orange County. Uh, what did you think of the race? And uh, how about our boy uh, Matt Williamson brings it home third? Yeah, uh, short track Super Series show. So it was... Open draw for the heats. Matt, Matt had a bad draw. I think he had to start 10th in the heat or so. Got up to about 5th. So then he had to start 13th, 14th. Did get up to 3rd. He was coming at the end. If it was a 75 or 100, he might have been a different story. But uh, yeah, Super Matt, like he won the race. And then at one point, because I was kind of watching a whole bunch of races at once on Saturday. But uh, the one uh, Anthony Prego had trouble in his heat and had to jump in Matt Shepard's backup car. And then... Uh, some point during the race, Perego blew his Shepard's backup car up, right? And had to coast to a stop. And But like the volume was down and I thought that was Shepard. So now I'm thinking, how did Shepard get his spot back after he blew up? I didn't know Perego had switched. So kind of a double-edged sword for Shepard. Won the 12 Gs, but probably mm-hmm. spent it on the other guy borrowing his car. Well, he's been doing that a lot lately. <laughs> Didn't he kind of end the season with a bit of an expensive end of the year, blowing up he's some motors? So having some... A little bit of motor trouble for a guy that does win dang near every race he runs. Yeah, there. right. So. Which sucks. Yeah. Don't wish that on anybody. Yeah. I. Uh, Even if you do win all the time. I can't imagine. Don't wish that on anybody. I can't imagine he's getting very much ahead with the constant motor maintenance that he's had to do. But uh, yeah. Three quarter mil last year he did bring that in. That is true. So. That does go a long way, but. Plus t-shirt. That doesn't count his t-shirts and his t-shirt trailers. Oh, looks like it costs more just the trailer than my whole operation. So. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it, honestly. Uh, those guys, uh, yeah. they, they bring quite a setup. Doing a little okay, too. Yeah. yeah. But it was a good event for them. Good kickoff uh, to... Uh, yeah, Jimmy Horton. We wanted to talk yeah, about Yeah, we him. wanted to give him a shout out. Nostalgia. Yeah. Cause, How yeah. about that? I, I That's a name that, you know, before I got really back into the dirt world, I remembered from, from NASCAR back in the day. So I was like, oh, Jimmy Horton with a, a solid, solid effort, solid run. Didn't quite come together in the end the way he wanted, but no, but he did like he started pretty far back, almost last in the heat, got up to it, either one or finished second and then did get the lead in the feature. And uh, yeah, it felt like the 90s for a little bit there. And uh, I always love seeing the natural Jimmy Horton run good. Nice. And yeah, so it didn't quite work out. But And 
It's fun to watch him up yep. there. And we should probably talk about uh, the high limit uh, sprint car series, which got going uh, this week on Tuesday from Lakeside. And what did you think of uh, the Kyle Larson, Brad Sweet sprint car series show? What? How, how did you? Uh, how do you break this one down? Because I thought I made it to the C mains. I'm not going to lie. I kind of fell asleep on it. It was my first day at a, at a new gig at BRP of all places. So I kind of I didn't quite make it to the end of the show, but it sounds like I missed a good one. Yep, definitely did. Uh, sucks. But yeah, hard crash and qualifying kind of put a hindrance on the night. Jake Newman. And I'm not really sure how he's he says it should be all right, but uh, I think he's heavily sedated after for sure after the big hit, but yeah, not too much more news on him, all of them. He's move all his limbs and stuff and he is alert and talking or uh, alert and can like acknowledge people anyway, but uh, yeah, tough crash and qualifying started it. And uh, then the racing was good. I can see why guys went there. That track would be perfect if it was just a little bit shorter. See, Cause it seems like it could get still get strung out a little bit, but for the most part it was top and bottom. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> Rico with the $50,000 flat tire with two to go. And uh, Gio winning a big race out of nowhere. He was kind of struggling. Like on the outlet tour, he had like not the best stats ever compared to like uh, mm -hmm. Buddy Kofoid, who's been lighting it up over there. But uh, yeah, wins the 50 Gs, pulled it off when it mattered. Even like Austin McCarl, like so many guys you wouldn't think of had shots at it. One of them won. Austin McCarl almost won. And uh, like the guys, mm -hmm. I love that the guys that started on the front row didn't win. And then they had that dice roll thing that they thought was going to be fun, but no one's going to give up a front row starting spot for 50 G's, even if it for a couple extra grand that you have to win to get. So yeah, that roll thing. I don't know about that thing. I feel like, do you feel like Larson would do that? Or like that's what it is if, for if it was, like if Larson or right? sweet ever gets it, they're going to do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, pretty impressive run. Unless they roll a 12 or something. Cause Larson's pretty, I thought it was pretty impressive that Carson Macedo picked up 20 spots in this feed. That is, that was thing. a hell of a drive. Yeah, The race was quite, there's just so many angles to this race, like the different announcing. Mm -hmm. Like it was weird for me to get used to at first with Dylan Welch and his dad, Vince, uh, calling the yep. sprint cars. And at the end, Dylan was really picking it up and uh, I was starting to enjoy him. And then uh, he got real excited at the end because of like the slide job fest for second coming with the five to go was insane. And he did a real good job of calling yep. that. And uh, yeah, so those guys were new. And uh, yeah, Macedo moved through the field. This track didn't take rubber. A lot of tracks down there can, so I was really happy that didn't happen. It just stayed slick to a cushion and a good bottom where guys would like drive it in and like catch the middle of the cushion and then drive it down the banking and catch the bite coming off of four on the bottom. So many different lines yep. available. I, I go into a lot of cool tracks. That's my favorite part about the Highland yeah. Series. A lot of racy. Little they jokes. got a great schedule. Like I'm just going over it now. The, I like the way their website's laid out. It's right there for you to see. Uh, next thing's going to be Kokomo, which uh, I've gotten very familiar with wait. that racetrack through the uh, World of Outlaws Dirt game. That uh, seems to be <laughs> the regional track that I play at least twice or three times a schedule <laughs> with the current part I'm at for my uh, my career mode, if you will. So, but that's a that's a neat little place. I'm excited to see how that one goes off. And uh, yeah. The race is amazing in real life, with especially winged or non-winged mm -hmm. sprints. Which is, but it's usually non-wings there, so when the wings come up, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I'm excited up. for Lernerville. Uh, Lincoln Park's going to be a cool spot, I think. Uh, Bridgeport's yeah. going to be fun. That's another wingless yep. place. Yeah, there's some good ones. They're going to Bridgeport? I, uh, yeah, they're going to Bridgeport. It's uh, Bridgeport's the last one, it looks like. Oh, yeah. October 3rd. Yeah, Lernerville will be 
is the other 50 G's. Yeah. They do take quite a break in the summer though, as, uh, I'm just looking at the schedule here. It says, uh, oh no, I have it. I'm reading it wrong. I see now. I was like, why is there no race in July? But they're in Grandview in July. That's why. Anyways, uh, High Limit Series, check it out. It's a pretty good time, especially if you like some the bigger names in sprint cars, uh, like yeah, some of our, our, our NASCAR ringers even. Alex Bowman gained 10 spots after having to take it a provisional. So shout out to my guy. Yeah, we even had a couple of locals. And Westbrook. Holly. He had a rough night, and Westbrook also had a rough night flipping in the yeah. So he had some local boys yeah. in there. And, of course, that was the part owner, uh, Kyle Larson's show, and he uh, cashed his own check at the Late Model Challenge uh, prior to this week, actually. Uh, pretty impressive. It was last, yeah, last Thursday. Thursday. So we were, I think, while we were recording. What, were on, I think, while we were on, right, when we were recording. So, but I caught the... Yeah, we caught the last few laps. Not surprising that uh, Larson had to go through uh, Davenport to get that win, though. Yeah, that was a perfect way to queue up Davenport running the NASCAR dirt races this weekend as well. Him and Larson mm-hmm. duking it out on a Thursday when no one else has got anything else to watch. And it was literally a duke out show, like Slide Job City, just like the high limit sprint car race was for second. They were like parking each other's right rear quarters on their noses. Larson's right rear quarter panel was missing after the race. He was wall riding <laughs> so much. And, uh, yeah, just two pros and the late models going at it at Bulls Gap, which is like banked like Bristol or yep. it's like 36 degrees. It's yeah, crazy track too. perfect track for that. No, you said it. And then I went and, you know, I was catching the action and I couldn't believe the banking in the corner. Like as soon as they started to like, like point the nose down, I was like, these guys are just driving downhill. It feels like through the corners. Literally. It's a, it's a very cool racetrack that, uh, uh, made for some great action with Kyle Larson uh, and uh, Davenport trade and slide jobs. And like you say, it was a perfect intro to the NASCAR weekend. Uh, I didn't, I've soured on the Bristol dirt race being oh, the come more on. time, the more time I spend in the, in the actual dirt world, but that was hard as good to hate as there's that been. on Sunday. Yeah. Hard to hate that. Did that race just save NASCAR on dirt? Like, are we going to have to do it again next year? Because it was so good. It might've, Made it so we got to watch it on Bristol again, which I still think our Charlotte idea is better. But because yes. it, yeah, but they're probably gonna do it on Bristol if they do it because there was not, it wasn't all like they didn't like last year and the year before. I think it was always like they announced they were gonna do it again this year. They didn't, yeah. And the part I heard on the NASCAR Sirius station was like, if they lose Bristol dirt in the spring, they might not have it, might be only one Bristol then, yeah. Or, so that kind of sucks too. Well, they fight the weather there so much, right? Like that's they definitely got to move the weekend. Wrong weekend to do Bristol dirt. No, that's a for sure. Like move that a little more in the summer. Clearly, yeah, yeah. Like like you could like could you do it like maybe the week at the week before the All Star race? Like if you did it like mid May. Yeah. See, that would be be better, and that would play into the Charlotte thing. (laughs) Yeah, that could play into the Charlotte thing super well because then you could just do you could you could do Charlotte dirt then you can go to wilkesboro for the all-star race and then you go back to the charlotte 600 race that would work well that'd be a good little part of the schedule do charlotte that way yeah charlotte dirt basically give the teams and drivers basically a month at home because they can drive home i would love that because it's got to be expensive to put the dirt on and haul it off and nascar is all about saving money they say and then they do that kind of stuff yeah which is a little bit not saving money clearly doesn't and i would love to see it at charlotte because they could bring a bunch of bleachers in and they would definitely have enough seats as people that they sold on last Sunday. So yeah, it wouldn't and it be much. The and then track. it would look packed. Well, it promotes the track for the world finals too, right? 
Maybe yeah. there's going to be some extra people who don't aren't necessarily traditional dirt fans that would end up going to the show because they went to the NASCAR show and they're like, oh, you know what? They saw there's other dirt events here. I'm going to go check them out. So I uh, I'm definitely sold on Bristol or on NASCAR on, on dirt. I want to see it on Charlotte. Yeah. But Bristol dirt on the little weekend was pretty good, too. You got to admit. And yes. a dirt guy, top six dirt guys. I love that, that it finally fell that way. Yeah, finally, right? Like, I, I was going to ask you about that. See, so if you didn't see it, Christopher Bell ends up getting the win. So, but he sweeps pretty much like a top six all dirt ringers, if you want to call them that, guys who got their start in dirt racing uh, in that and who are now in the Cup Series. Tyler Reddick. Okay. I, I yeah. wanted Tyler Reddick to get one more shot at him. That would have been the perfect end to it, I think. Uh, caught, if you missed it, a caution came out right as uh, the leaders were on the backstretch coming to the checkered and Tyler Reddick did not get to make the move for the win. So, but I think that would have been an, the cherry on top of what was a, a, a decent race. However, it was, you know, a lot of passing and all that. There was only four, le- four lead changes under green. I'll give you that. So still it's not perfect, but maybe a change of venue and giving Bristol to the concrete again would be good for that. But uh, we'll see either so. way. Uh, Kyle Larson struggled in that race, just to note. Um, I think he really hates NASCAR on dirt. I think if he wants to run NASCAR, he wants to run on uh, ovals. If it, I think if it was Kyle Larson's decision, he'd probably just run Michigan 24 times on the schedule because he loves those big two-mile racetracks. He's, I love watching him there in Homestead. Yeah, those are my favorite places to watch Larson. Yeah, for sure. When he can uh, run the wall. Yeah, exactly. Um, we should probably get into the... Uh, terrible tragedy the passing of justin owen uh in what was a really scary incident and something that you actually caught live and texted yeah. me about and then you know immediately i'm like i'm looking for it but like i don't want to look for it because i don't want to see it but I, no. you know you want the details and you want to maybe hope that the driver's okay but uh it's one of those things really yeah it, it, it was just like it didn't hard. look that bad a lot of people said like it, it was a bad flip but it's just the, the way the cage hit the top of the wall Mm-hmm. Just the angle that it happened. And uh, yeah, I know. It's just, it's the first one we've had since Greg Hodnett in the sprint car world. So that was almost five years. We almost got a little complacent again and then get smacked in the face and reminded what can happen. Yeah, exactly. This is a dangerous, dangerous sport at every single level. And uh, you guys are all very brave and uh, very wild to take on the task of, of racing and putting on the show that you guys do for the fans. And hopefully, fans don't forget how. Uh, dangerous this can be. Uh, I know we even had some pretty scary moment, moments. We talked about those with Shane Pierce last year at Maryville, the way he was flipping around. Uh, you know, it just makes yeah, us that much more thankful. Yeah, we've had some wrecks in the Niagara region, too. And uh, yeah. definitely thinking of J- Justin Owen and his family. He was a gasser, too. He was second in hot, hot laps that night. Mm-hmm. I saw he, he like won a few local features at the Berg. He was a local wingless champion. Yeah. 27. Yeah. Rough. Yeah, just terrible. So... Thinking of uh, thinking of him and uh, transitioning uh, as best we can here, we want to give uh, some congratulations to uh, Mr. Ryan Beagle, who is the champion of the BRP TV iRacing series for the season. If you missed it on Monday night, the series came to an end, or the season at least for this this series came to an end Monday, and it was a very tight battle up until about ten laps into the feature race where. Uh, Beagle came in trailing Cody Higby eight points in the series for the championship. Uh, he made up, I believe, two points in the qualifying in the heats and then got out to an early lead in the feature before Cody Higby got caught up in an incident 
and then had some computer trouble, which is, uh, I guess, kind of like the equivalent of uh, you guys have a mechanical failure. He kind of had a, an internet yep. failure, and that cost him uh, a shot at least making up some time because he was already, I think, three laps down before he started having the the tech issues. So uh, not what Cody Higby wanted. Not you know We were kind of all hoping for a, a tighter finish, but you got to give credit where credit's due. Ryan Beagle came out. He dominated that race, led every single lap crushed it, cruised it and put a cherry on top of what was a really special season for, for the Beags. And hopefully that carries on to uh, the the street stock when he gets uh, going here again, uh, going to be running Oshweekin full time and hitting all the special events and some of the other races at Merrittville as well as what he told us during victory lane. Hopefully he's at the spring sizzler. Come on Beags. Yeah. Listen, bud. Come out. Congrats Come on, on the out. ship. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, earned himself a, a good chunk of change too. That series paid well for the top five in points, which enough for a tire up, in a bit. You yeah. ended up uh, top ten in the series. And Default. Then, yeah. Default. Didn't run you finish, all the nights. You finished ninth in. Uh, Do the all race the rules. I did have a pretty decent run. My wheels. The last few, like I was just starting to get it, and my wheels started messing up. And Monday night it was working real good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was running third for like the first quarter of the race. Yeah, because there was like kind of a jingle, I think, that started things. Yeah. You were able to use, like, I think you were on the inside line for the initial I was ahead of that. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you, I did it, get a good start, too, and passed all those guys and all that happened behind me. And then yeah, when and there was then, a restart. And we, were, like, we looked back. up and we were like, oh, my God, Travis is in, like, fourth. What? what when did this happen? Because it was still bitey down yeah. on the bottom. But just then, another reason. And I struggle when it gets slick. And, like, on long runs, I struggle because it seems like the tires, they don't wear out, but they heat up. And that gets way looser and I need to upgrade my pedal or at least make it a little more stiff or something. So I can kind of, cause you don't want to go wide open and I racing in that big block when it gets slick, you got to like get feather it. The Ritter says like half throttle at tops and then just, yeah, but you don't want to come all the way off either. And just, it's a super fine line and my pedals ain't True. quite there. So well, you can that. make the, maybe Choose you can make so. the investment for next season. Cause uh, I hear, Maybe you're going sprint car racing, I think, but you don't like the fixed setups. You're already complaining to me about that, so that's okay. I'll figure it out. Yeah, it'll be fun doing something different, and uh, yeah, can't wait for. I, I, that's not a lie. I can't. I can wait for next BRP season because we got to get through the real racing season first. Exactly right. Uh, Super Dirt Car Series. We should touch on Can Am uh, canceled. Uh, that mm. that track uh, was not ready to go. And they just kind of told everybody, hey, just stay home. It's not going to be worth it. And the Super Duker Series off to kind of a rocky start with their schedule and some cancellations. Yeah, I've been like that the last couple of years. Tough break for that series. And uh, director Dirk Dean Reynolds, fellow BRP Series driver and uh, guest of the podcast. But uh, he was saying in the thing Monday night, he, they'd put new clay on it, trying to help out the like, track used to be real hard on tires. So they were trying to get some new clay and work on that kind of stuff. But uh yeah, I just didn't get enough hot weather during the spring to get it done. And they posted the pictures and uh, it's, it's got to give a shout out to Bartlett. He, for him to not, th- or Ryan Bartlett or Tyler, I forget which one runs it, one of them. But uh, anyway, shout out to him because like a lot of promoters just would have ran it anyway because they're getting wicked weather and they would have been packing the place no matter what. And uh, the cars would have had to show up because it's a super car series race. So a lot of promoters, some promoters would have just ran it and pocketed it and like cost the racers money if they knew the track was. So shout out to him to. Turn down the awesome weather we're supposed to have Saturday and uh, got to wait. They're going to work on a rain date, though, so watch. For yeah. That. Yep. Watch for the uh, for the uh, updates on the Super Deer Car Series dot com website uh, back in action Sunday, April 
23rd at Bridgeport for King of the Big Block Showcase. It's a 75 lap, 7,500 to win event. So we're not, we're not too far away from getting some big block action, thankfully. But uh, tough break. Yeah, I think I think in the uh, I think when I touched base with uh, Dirk Cardine, he said there was something like he was sinking in like like a foot, maybe two feet into the clay that they had laid down because it just wasn't done yet. So yeah, uh, got to respect Tyler Bartlett for what he uh, what he uh, owned up to. And hopefully they get the reschedule in. Yep. I do love Canyon being there a couple of times. It's one of the biggest tracks. I think it's at like true over half a mile. And they call it a five eights, and uh, yeah, it's huge, nasty track to the north. I was thinking about it because I was driving to a friend's house uh, for Easter weekend in Ottawa, and I was passing kind of through the, all the exits for Thousand Islands, and I was like, "Man, there's there's a lot of good tracks up this way too." I mean, Canem, Mohawk, Brockville, kind of Cornwall, Cornwall. Yeah, that's that, and it's not too much further to go into some of the tracks in Quebec too. So true. And then yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I like the setup up there in uh, Eastern Ontario, I guess you could call it, which feels weird to say, but it is is. Eastern Ontario. And I think that pretty much is going to cover it. One other thing I did want to touch on that's new for this year locally. uh, I've got to give a shout out to Van Sickle Pet Value and um, uh, Lundy's Lane Pet Value owner, Jeff Riley, uh, big sponsor over at Maryville Speedway with the four cylinder division, but also wants to help out the racetrack and help out the drivers and fans too, by selling tickets and pit passes at the stores. So you can stop in uh, at Lundy's Lane Pet Value, which is at the corner of Kaler and Lundy's Lane, Lundy's Lane Highway 20 in Niagara Falls and Van Sickle Pet Value in St. Catharines. You'll be able to purchase your tickets ahead of time. Uh, the idea is that they're going to be able to create a two lane system for drivers who are checking in at the racetrack. Those who have already paid can just go in, get through, bypass all that lineup. They don't have to jump out of their race trucks. Uh, you know, I think like the crew will still have to jump out and, and take care of that stuff and show that they've paid or whatever, but the trucks can just get in there and hopefully we don't have as many log jams, uh, for, for drivers and, and for fans too, because, uh, there was a lot of times where we'd have really busy Saturday nights at Merrittville Speedway and fans would still be at the ticket booth as heats were starting or whatever was going on this way. You know what? Fans are going to be able to show that they got their tickets, just walk right in and, and get to the action and, uh, hopefully get there early and maybe buy some Buy some concession stand stuff like uh, a solid, solid hot dog, maybe some burgers, some chicken fingers, Track food, tower deliveries, always appreciated. By the get way, real, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a few guys get uh, some delivery last year, so it, it was it was a good time. It's a great time, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a cool program. Uh, I believe CA Niagara is also going to have uh, some details on that where they're going to be selling tickets. I don't believe they're going to be doing the same thing with the pit passes necessarily, but tickets will be available at CA Niagara locations as well. More details on that to come. So be sure you're following the Maryville Speedway social media for that update. And we'll talk about it more once uh, the program gets going. And hopefully uh, Travis will maybe even be able to stop in and, and give us a report on whether buying pit passes ahead of time works out well for you guys. Well, if it keeps the trucks from lining up on the road, which happens sometimes, it's definitely great. Yeah, right. So uh, we're optimistic. We'll see how it works in the first couple of weeks of the season. With all that said, I think we've covered everything and it's time to get into our interview with Jake Hooker. We'll start with Jake Hooker first and Justin Ramsey also on the way as uh, we caught up with them from Motorama. And oh, wait, you know what? There is one other thing I forgot, Travis. Uh-oh. One other thing. Delaware. 
Right. You were we really wanted to get into Delaware. I'm looking over my notes and I was like, oh. Last night in the crate late models. So yeah, last night at Delaware, they had Modifieds and Crate Lates and Charlie Sandercock, Kyle Sopaz, and the two Graham brothers, Craig and Brant, went down there. And uh, one of the Graham brothers and Sopaz ended up getting together in the B main, which is like, I'll drive all that way to get into guys you race with at home is kind of weird. And it seems to happen a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. Sandercock was super fast, won the dash, started on the pole, led a lot, a lot early, and then uh, faded back to sixth. At the end, started to get a little rough. He hit the rough stuff once, a little duff, a little tough, and uh, fell back a bit. And uh, he's a guy we got to get on the show, Charlie Sandercock. I know him. I, I yeah. that up. Yeah, I'm definitely got to have him. Definitely a wheel man in the old crate lates, and he's got a 360 win too. And fun. He's like, yep, definitely a Brighton hero. Yes, Rush Late Models. It's the uh, the Battle of the Bay uh, all this week, and uh, we'll also have our buddy Stephen Petty on to talk about that as he uh, lends his vocal yeah. talents to the I Rush Late Models series. Last night, yeah, he had a great call job, last Stevie. night. So, yep, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, Charlie Sandercock ended up finishing sixth after starting on the pole and uh, represented Trenton, Ontario, real, real well. That's in a that hike for him, event. Man. I know, right? That's all I could think about. I was like, it's already far to get anywhere from Trenton down to, you know, I guess unless you're going to like Can-Am or something, yeah. but to go all the way to Delaware, that's, that seems pretty far. I think that's gotta be at least 10 hours, maybe 13. I think even Can-Am for them is like an hour and a half. Like they're in a weird spot. They're like two hours from us, almost two hours from Brockville. Yeah. Yep. That's what Brighton's for. It's for the reason they're right in that little sweet spot in between. Yes. And we shout out to them and uh, both all the drivers who go there and make the races, but also the racetracks and the facilities that give these guys a place to go and run. And uh, then they can hone their skills and hopefully go and represent us well, like that, uh, like Charlie Sandercock did on the Rush Late Models. Now, with all that said, we've covered everything, Travis. Now we got to get have. to these interviews. They were a blast. Uh, thanks again to Greg McPherson and everybody at Motorama who had us out. And thanks again to our guests, Justin Ramsey and Jake Hooker, who came on. And let's get to them now on the Southern Ontario Dirt Show podcast. The Southern Ontario Dirt Show is brought to you by Oshwekin Speedway, Southern Ontario's home for Friday night excitement. For over 25 years, Oshwekin Speedway has promoted and played host to sprint car racing with a new season of family-friendly events on the horizon and set to begin May 19th. Catch our own Travis Cunningham as he races weekly in the 360 division each Friday night in pursuit of a season-long championship. The Friday night lineups are rounded out by crate sprints, thunderstocks, and mini stock divisions as well. In addition to weekly racing, Oshwick and Speedway will also hold several marquee events for the Southern Ontario Sprints, the Action Sprint Tour in their West Series and National Series, as well as a visit from Canada's premier stock car series, the NASCAR Pinty Series on August 14th and 15th for their only stop on dirt. Mark your calendars as the 3 8 mile dirt track located in Oshwick and Ontario welcomes drivers from across the country and beyond for the 19th running of the Canadian Sprint Car Nationals which is scheduled for September 16th. To keep up to date with the latest news from the track, be sure to find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For track information on policies, admissions, directions, and more, be sure to visit oshwekenspeedway.ca. That's O-H-S-W-E-K-E-N speedway.ca. Oshwekin Speedway, your home for Friday night excitement. The Southern Ontario Dirt Show is brought to you by Bicknell Racing Products. The last 40 years plus have seen Bicknell Racing Products grow to be an industry leader for racers and enthusiasts alike. Their St. Catharines location is home to 20,000 square feet of manufacturing and retail space, 
with a second store in Niagara Falls, New York, and a dealer network that continues to grow day by day to serve Southern Ontario, Western New York, and beyond. Bicknell Racing Products distributes Hoosier tires for much of Eastern Canada, New York, and even parts of Pennsylvania. BRP is everything you could need to keep your car performing at its peak with genuine parts from the manufacturer. They even have a technical support line committed to helping you with the most up-to-date information and feedback from racers and crew chiefs. Have you ever thought about a career in the automotive or racing industry? Now is your chance to take the leap with Bicknell Racing Products. They are looking for CNC machine operators, welders, and more to join their team this season. Please send all resumes to Dana Curving at BicknellRacingProducts.com. That's D-A-N-A. C-U-R-V-I-N at BicknellRacingProducts.com For further information on Bicknell Racing Products and to find a dealer near you, visit BRP online at www.BicknellRacingProducts.com or on Facebook or at Twitter.com slash BicknellRacing All right, Jake Hooker, first thing I gotta ask, you've got that traction control sticker on your car and I had to ask you about it, uh... <laughs> There's always a little bit of tongue-in-cheek when I see a Davis Technology sticker on a race car, so tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I just got to thank my car owner, Brad Auth here. He, uh, he supplies us with a good rocket, and uh, yeah, we were going to load the race car, and the sticker ended up, uh, ended up right on the side, so yeah. I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the driver's answer. I don't know nothing about nothing. That's a smart answer. I like that. But you drive a, a series that we don't get to see a lot necessarily in the Niagara region, except for maybe on Sunday nights at Humberstone Speedway. So just kind of talk about uh, your experience in racing and, and what you're driving these days. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate right now with my racing career. I, uh, I drive a, an Asphalt Pro Late model for Mike McCall down in Delaware. And uh, I also drive a Super Dirt Late model with, uh, for my car owner, Brad Autier. So right now just... Uh, Count my blessings, kind of floating with the waves and uh, driving a late model, a Thunderstock, and a Asphalt Pro late model. Yeah, that's the thing about you. Like, I remember watching your dad, Kirk Hooker, race on the pavement tracks back in the day, and he was a dirt guy, too. Uh, tell us what it's like driving a real deal dirt late model with that real motor in there. And, like, because you're the first guy on the podcast, I think, that does race like a full blown dirt late model, not a crate. Uh huh. Well, it's a, it's a different experience for, for me. Like, uh, especially coming down to one of these deals because it's kind of run by crate cars and stuff. But, uh, you know, like I was telling everyone down here, it's, uh, it's hard to get out of your blood, you know, holding the car wide open, just going right through the corners, not even, not even taking a thought to lift. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Sprint car, the same thing. But, like, at Eldora, I noticed, like, whenever it's hammered down, the late models ain't lifting. They used to not lift at Ashwikin back when the ODLM used to come because I used to see your car owner come race that all the time. Wasn't there that, like... Someone threw a slide job on someone, like an epic slide job video with him involved. Wasn't there something like that back in, like, 07-ish? Yeah, so yeah. Th those are both my good buddies. Uh, so the one is my car owner, and then the other one's Andrew Riome. I don't know if anyone from around here knows him. But I remember Andrew Riome. He's kind yeah. of the, the, yeah. baddest, the baddest dude He was the guy there. that won all those races. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he's the uh, yeah, he's just a uh, guy I always looked up to. You know, he's just one of the baddest guys. So was that a dirty slide job way back then, when he, or was it just race and deal, or...? Oh, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's I, a long I, time ago, so we can... 
we can talk I, about it. I'd probably throw a slide jobber too. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> if it was for the win or two to go, I, I think it was healthy. Yeah, that was like one of the first viral videos on the local dirt scene. Like that was one of the first ones that got the rounds when YouTube was starting around. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, I think I think it was Andrew that destroyed his rad, and like Brad didn't even feel it. You know, just crinkled the, <laughs> crinkled the quarter panel, and he's like, "Yeah, we still kept racing." So yeah. So, Jake, I want to know, for me, as a, as a dirt racing fan, the late models, again, we don't get to see them a ton in the Niagara region all that often, especially a true full-blown one. We get a lot of crates sometimes, but I, I think the biggest thing when you walk up to that ride over there, the, the, the biggest thing that comes to mind first is just the enormity of it. That thing feels very overwhelming. Like, I've been around sprint cars, you know, I've, I've been up close and personal with Travis's ride, I've been up close and personal with modifieds and stuff, but there's just something about a late model when you're standing next to it, just, it feels so huge. What does it feel like to drive a late model behind the wheel? Does it feel like you're driving this massive car on a, a small racetrack? Yeah. Truthfully, you know, I just, uh, it's, I think it's the fenders that do it for it, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know if it's a huge race car, but it's something, it's something unique in every, every sort of this deal. Like, I'm just looking around, you know, you got your Legends cars and this, this badass vintage coupe right here. Yep. You know, like, these are uh, all unique, but I think, uh, you know, when you go out on the racetrack with it, yeah, I've never been afraid to go three, four wide. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, no, but. no. But, uh, like, whenever, like, I hear, like, sprint car guys or, like, late modified guys say that they drive a late model, they feel like they're looking, like, down out of the left side window almost because, like, the car's so jacked up like this that they almost feel like they're looking down like this and they have a hard time feeling like when cars are around because it's so jacked up. Yeah, like, I mean, most of your running now is just, like, off the right front because the, the left side just uh, it just gets jacked up unbelievably. But, you know, it's a, it's a different feeling. It's kind of like uh, when you're at your house and you feel like someone's watching you. Yeah. You know, like, you know the car is there. You just don't know how close or where he's at. So. Spidey sense. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. So, yeah, it's a, it, it takes a little bit. Cause you, like, with our motors, you know, you can hear them somewhat. But, yeah, it's a, it's a cool deal. Yep. So I got to know, too, what does 2023 hold for you? You just mentioned that you race in three different kinds of cars. You race multiple racetracks. It's early in the season, so I'm sure not every single plan is, is finalized. But where can fans go out and see uh, you race this year? What's on the calendar? Uh, well, we plan on doing every Saturday at Southern Ontario, I think, and uh, with the Thunderstock and Late Model. And then uh, we're going to do five nights at Delaware. There. I don't know what the five nights are. Everyone's got them booked out with the uh, MRE team again. And uh, I'm trying to win my uh, one of my sponsors. He He's the 51. I, I want to take that thing down to Merrittville. We went down there last year with yeah. the UMP. The yeah. UMP got second. I, I think I can, uh, I don't know if I can drive it, but I, I definitely would like to uh, try and get better than second there. I think you could do it. You're plenty capable of it. It's definitely a fast hot rod. It definitely runs good anytime I see it, in the, anytime I call it in the vintage series. We've called it at Humberstone a few times. Oh, what's the difference between, like, the dirt and pavement? Like, I don't know. Like, it's because pavement, you got to be so on your marks and everything, whereas dirt is changing. So tell us the difference between the one and how it, and how it is to, like, switch between the two. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a different world because uh, on the dirt, like, on, the, on these cars, you're driving more at the right front. And uh, on the asphalt, the cars mostly, they set equally, or you try to, on both front ends, and you really... You know, you got to be conservative, and you got to be good at, like, one thing I struggle in is I just bury that asphalt car in the corners. Like, I'm murdering yeah. tires where that's just the dirt side of it, and it'll come out of me sooner than later. But both these cars, like, as long as you get into good equipment, you got good people around you, that's all that I can thank for with uh, everybody. But it takes, uh, it takes about a lap of hot laps, and then uh, you get back to your rhythm. 
Yep. So that that's really interesting to me that it, that it comes down to rhythm for me. I always thought that pavement racing would be the one that you've got a rhythm to, right? It seems like the on-off time and when it comes to throttle, braking, you can really make it almost like a pattern around the racetrack. But do you feel like there's any kind of rhythm that you can settle into when you're on the dirt as well? Uh, depending on when the tracks are wide open, you know, you're pretty much getting everything that you can get out of the, out of the race car. But once it's dry slick, you know, you, that's when you're really trying to drive smart. And my dad always says keeping an egg underneath your foot. So you're really trying to save the tires and keep it from spinning and just, you know, if it worked good the lap before, you want to apply brake at the same point and just, just keep hitting every mark for however long the race is and staying out of the trouble and keeping your nose clean. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, the hardest thing on dirt for me is just knowing whether you're in the right line or not just because it changes so many times. And I have a problem, like, falling into a funk myself, into, like, more of a pavement-style driving style when we get long green runs where I should be moving around more. That's what I'm going to try to do this year. So, yeah, tough sled and doing both. It's the same season. Yeah, it, it's fun. It really is. And I just, like I said, I, I'm just really fortunate. And, you know, I think one, one part of the, the dirt racing down at Southern Ontario has helped me is, like, like you guys said, like, and the heat race, you'd be so bottom dominant, and the next thing you know, you're right around the top, just crushing the concrete blocks, which is not the best. But <laughs> they make spoilers every day in quarterfinals, so it's all right. Yeah, yeah, it's hammer remote. They make hammers every day too. Yeah, yeah there you go. You got this. Uh, well, I feel like we got to get to some of the same questions that we give uh, all of our racers that come on board the podcast. Uh, let's start with let's start with one that's been a little bit uh, new for us to ask drivers. But w- if you were going to go out and build the perfect racing facility you could take from any racetrack in the world you can go on and grab a couple elements of tracks in the states and build something up here whatever you want you got an unlimited plot of land unlimited budget what kind of racetrack are you building somewhere in southern ontario so i i got a i got a couple ideas on this deal but i really think sunset speedway dirt okay would be totally badass and i would really like to bring a racetrack like attica with a big spoon uh big spoon like taking yeah, this yeah. swirl bring that down like a little closer to me not far away from you guys and have the uh have the eldora scheme around it like those i think yeah, if yeah, you can yeah, make yeah, a yeah. tight tight bull ring and then a really hammer down racetrack those would be ideal for me okay fair enough fair enough. i love the sunset dirt idea because it's the way it's got the little bank and it's little it's a it's perfect little size for like yeah uh, th- slide jobs and close quarters racing well, I think Sunset's here. They do Bristol on dirt. Why can't we do Sunset oh, on oh, dirt? Geez. Oh, are we calling them out? I'm here for uh, that. Open late models, bring yeah. sprint cars, the SOS series. I seen that guy was around here. Yeah, yeah he was just up yeah, here. Peter, uh, Peter's trying to wave it off. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if he likes that idea or not, but I think we may have to make a push for it. We'll see. We got a lot of awesome dirt tracks, too, but I, I don't know. Sunset on dirt is very interesting. I love Attica, too, though. That was also a good answer. Yeah, that's a good point. You, that's man. a good point. Uh, well, you're somebody who's driven a lot of different race cars, like you said. So maybe there's something you haven't driven yet, or maybe there's one thing you've driven that you want to drive for the rest of your life. One car, one racetrack for the rest of your life. What's the pick you make, Jake? Oh, man, that's, that's a tough deal right there. I... I... You know, I oh, I like super. I love super dirt late models, so I gotta I gotta stick with that. And you know, I'm all about. I, I love Eldora. You know, I would love to go there and just yeah. chase that chase that million down, chase the world, chase the dream. Yeah, all you guys out from the chat in that area. All you guys love late models, and all you guys love Eldora. That's uh, for sure. Like all all the people out there. Yeah, I I don't really know what it is about that place. Maybe it's just a. Uh, 
the atmosphere, whatever. But you know, I, I would also I'd love to take an MRE car down to New Smyrna. You know, high banks. Ooh. Yeah, your dad used to go there. Yeah, yeah okay. that's when I remember Kirk Hooker the most when he used to do his winter trips. So we're trying to do that for 2024. Hit the last five nights with the MRE team, and it's uh, it's looking pretty good. So hopefully, uh, I don't know if I can be as consistent as my dad down there, but at least like to finish a couple races. Awesome. awesome. All right, well, thanks for joining us, Jake. Thanks for taking the time. You can get back to your beautiful race car over there, that beast of a machine. And uh, if you haven't gone over and checked out any of the race cars here, this is the spot to come and do it. And make sure you go and check out some of the late models. Go and check out the Thunderstock that's over there. And uh, thanks for taking the time, Jake, once again. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. The Merrillville Kart Club turns 30 this season, and they can't wait to celebrate with you. Join them Tuesday nights to see the next generation of local heroes race their way up the ranks. Matt Williamson, Cody McPherson, and Dalton Slacker, just a few names who have graduated from the Merrillville Kart Club ranks to become winners and champions of the sport. The season will begin May 9th with multiple practices through the end of April and May scheduled. Including driver school April 23rd, you can support the club by purchasing a 30th anniversary t-shirt or hoodie, both of which are available now for pre-order. For more information and cart club schedule, visit MerrillevilleSpeedway.com. All right, Justin Ramsey joining us, driver of that beautiful purple 03 that... That thing is looking really fresh. Is it even purple anymore? Do I call it blue? What color is that thing? Because it is just perfect. It's like a mixture of purple, pearl blue. I don't know. We kind of made it at work. <laughs> well, it looks fantastic, and I'm expecting it to be bad fast. So how, do you, uh, how are you handicapping your, uh, your street stock season coming up? Thunderstock, street stock, Hoosier stock. Depends on what track you're at, but we know that you're going to be behind the wheel of that 03 and probably towards the front. Well, I'm not really sure what we're doing yet. We're going to do Brighton Speedway probably as much as possible. Um, I kind of want to travel a little bit more and kind of get out of town a bit, but it's really convenient to just drive 20 minutes down the road to Brighton Speedway. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, your biggest win last year, would you say that was the win in Oshweekin in the Brock Leonard? Do you want to talk about that night? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's, you killed it that night. I think I'm the, I'm the only one to yeah. win it twice. It was back-to-back. The track was perfect, though. It was like one of those tracks where I like to run the top and I could just hold to the floor, and it was there's no sprint cars there to blow it off. There was lots of traction. Yep. So I hope it's like that this year again. Yeah, we had Beagle and Beagle or Bailey on right after that, and they just said how they couldn't believe how the way you were hooked up on the top like that and sailing it. And like, yeah, it was basically like for guys like Beagle and Bailey to say that about you, you kicked their butts by like almost a straightaway that night. Well, I was doing well before the caution came out, and then I didn't see anybody for a couple laps, so I kind of got a little, I was a little cocky, and I was like, oh, I don't have to hit the gas that hard, and Beagle got beside me, and I was, there was only two laps to go, and it was time to get going. Yeah, that was definitely one of the more impressive wins, and what was a really entertaining season all around in the street stock division, pretty much any track, anywhere you went, the street stocks always stood out, at least to me, and especially at Merrittville Speedway, and we saw some great performances from you uh, throughout the year last year. What do you think makes street stock racing so entertaining? What is it to you that uh, it allows you guys to, to put on the great shows that you do any given Saturday, Friday, Sunday night, any heck, any night you guys can find a racetrack? I don't really know. It's, a, it's more it's the cheaper class. You don't have to spend a lot of money at it. And a lot of the guys have been doing it for a couple of years. Like, there's a lot of experience in the class. And I just, I don't know. I think it's just because everybody from, like, when you're racing in the field from 15th on, they've all been doing it for 10, 15 years. So 
there's lots of experience and everybody respects everybody's equipment and you can be door to door touching tires but there's no banging crashing i think that's what it is it's just experience i guess yeah and the ability to lean on you guys you got those fenders and you guys definitely use them <laughs> oh yeah definitely yeah i'm jealous that you get to run up <clears throat> brighton all the time because it's my favorite little track the way it's just the aura about the place the way the river runs through the back straight away sometimes like new people run in will be like what is it with this joint but then once you get going and i just feel like the aura there like it's just such like a family deal but like you guys yeah. you guys can get on your nerves a lot too more up there i've seen a lot too but like and then the party at the labor day weekend like it's just one of my favorite little places to go and just how it's like in the little community like everyone just hits the saturday it's the only thing to do around there really on a saturday night that's what i love about it yeah i think so and the, definitely the party's amazing after the big fire there's a band sometimes like it's it's a good track and that's it's probably the most slipperiest track that i race at and it, i think that's what helps me when i go to other tracks too because like it's there's not a lot of traction it's really dry and you just you adapt everywhere with it yeah yeah definitely slick like Maribel and humberstone could be and you roll pretty good at those tracks too yeah I, humberstone's my favorite track honestly to race at i like the tech how the corners are sharper and i can't i can't get the hang of Maribel though I've, my best finish is the second i've like been the bridesmaid like five times there and i just can't seem to pull off a win there yeah it's a tough track to do that turn four is that what it is for you or what would you say for Maribel? It's probably turn four, yeah. It's just getting into it and trying to get off. And you, if you get in a little too hard into three, you're going to slide up, and there's no traction ever in the center of that track. The moat's nice. You can kind of rip through the moat, but I don't know. Last year, I had a good run going. I think it was in fourth, and it rained out yeah. mid-race. Yes. And I had a good spot running around the top. I started 20th, I think, and I was coming good. I was using the moat a lot, but it rained, so... Yeah, that's the worst when that happens. Yeah, it's always hard when you get those rainout nights. I wonder from like a driver's perspective, how did, is it more difficult to get into a night, get the car on a racetrack, maybe complete a, a hot lap session, complete a heat race, and then get rained out? Or is it those nights where you get to the racetrack, don't even get to set up the car and, and have to go home because the rain comes early? What, what's the more frustrating rainout to have as a driver? I After hot laps. Yeah. And then don't get the heat in. The car's all muddy for nothing. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> definitely the one, yeah. You get the car unloaded, you get out there, you get dirty, and then it gets it gets canceled. But also the any night where it's calling for rain, it rains in the morning, it might call for rain at night. Anytime there's rain in the forecast, it's terrible. I hate going to the racetrack yeah. when it's like that. That's a racer's nightmare and a promoter's nightmare all in one. We all got to remember that part. It's a nightmare for both of us on those nights. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it can, be, uh, it can be rough, but I, I want to ask you some of our, our cliche questions that we have here on the, on the podcast. So let's, let's go with one that, you know, you have a lot of experience. You've raced a bunch of different racetracks throughout Ontario. If you were going to, if I gave you an unlimited plot of land somewhere in Ontario to build yourself a dirt facility, you can combine one racetrack, you can, or one or two, three racetracks, or you can just make one racetrack a copycat. What are you building? What kind of dirt facility would your ideal track look like? Oh, boy. Um, I know, I'm putting one. you on the spot with this it's one. That's a loaded question. One. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, actually. Um, the size, I'm going to say the size of Humberstone. Okay. The surface of Brighton. Okay. With the facility of Oshweekin. 
That's a good. That's a very political answer. That might be our best answer. That might be our best answer yet, and that is the facility that I would definitely want to go see a race at. Uh, We'll get you out of here on this one, Justin. Let you get back out there and exploring the show and representing your race car. If I could give you one ride in any kind of race car at one racetrack for the rest of your life, what's the what's the pick you're going with? You're putting me on the spot twice now. I know. Um, We asked this one to everybody though. I don't even know, honestly. Um, I, there's a lot of cars I've never raced. I've been in a late model. I've been in one of our UMP modifieds. Never been in a Sportsman or a 358. Never been in a sprint car. So I don't know. There's cars I've been in I've always thought I've wanted to be in, and they're not fun to race. So I thought you were going to say, like, super late model. That was going to be my guess. No, no, not, no dice. Not into the late models, honestly. Ah. Um, I think, like... I, I kind of want to get into like a 358 or a sportsman. I think it's kind of more my driving style a little bit. I like it. Come race Maryville. We need your car count. <laughs> <laughs> Long well, drive, man. Yeah. Long drive. Hey, you know what I'm hearing right now is I'm hearing that somebody out there, like any car owners who need a driver in a modified or a sportsman, yeah. this is the guy you got to call. It's, that's, that's what I'm hearing right now. So uh, thanks for taking the time, Justin. This has been a blast. Thank Great you. to have you. Great to have your car at Motorama representing. Uh, we need more dirt cars here. At yeah. Motorama, so I Dirty appreciate you doing cars. this. The only uh, Thunderstock car, and yeah, I'm going to say the only here. person from Brighton Speedway here. Oh, yeah, yeah that, is, that is right. <laughs> you are representing very well indeed, my friend. Thanks, A, and uh, take care. Thank you. Pleasure doing this with you. Thanks for having me up Thanks, here, buddy. Guys. And the checkered is out on another episode of the Southern Ontario Dirt Show presented by Oshweekin Speedway and Bicknell Racing Products. Like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Facebook at Southern Ontario Dirt Show or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SODS underscore pod. Have a question for the show? Email us, Southern Ontario Dirt Show at gmail.com. Thanks for supporting local racing in Southern Ontario, and we'll see you at the track.